Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly in Youngsville, Louisiana, where it's our vision to be a place to meet with God. We pray that you will find this message to be both encouraging and empowering as we go deeper into the Word of God through Spirit-empowered, life-giving, Christ-centered ministry. For more information about First Assembly or to catch up on previous messages, you can visit our website at firstassembly.place. something that you're waiting for. Maybe you're waiting for test results. Maybe you're waiting for answers, waiting for a marriage to turn the corner. Or maybe you're waiting for marriage, period. Anyone? Okay. Uh, maybe you're waiting for a friendship to be restored or waiting for a job that you actually like and pays the bills. Maybe you're waiting for hope. But whatever it is that you're waiting for, there's always something. There's always something that we're waiting for. And I've actually been in a season of waiting for quite a while now. Um, this year actually started off really rough for me. And I won't get into all the details because we'll literally be here all night. And there were, there were victories, but there were also, there was a lot of wandering. Wandering through the wilderness and what really seemed like a desert. Because how many of you know that when you're waiting for something, a lot of stuff happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, the storms of life start rolling in. The enemy doesn't want you to have what God has for you. So guess what? You're going to have to go through spiritual warfare. You're going to have things flying at you because he doesn't want you to have what God has for you. But if there's anything that God has really showed me this week is just to hold on to the promises of God through the storms of life. Because, like 2 Peter 3, 9 says, he's not slow, but patient and careful in working out his redemptive purpose in the best way. Not your way, not my way, but the best way, which is his way. Because he never works without a purpose, and his purpose is always for your good. So... I have four things that you can do while in the waiting room. The first one is, instead of waiting on God, wait with God. And I had a friend who told me this actually just the other day. She said, the same way people get anxious while they wait on the Lord is the same way God longs to bring freedom. And the same way that he longs to bring healing, to break bondage. He longs to do these things for us. He, his heart longs for our freedom, our healing, our breakthrough. And he longs to give us all that he has for us. Just as we are waiting, it's just like Jesus waiting at the right hand of the Father for, for the time to come. Because he doesn't even know when that time is. But he's waiting at the right hand of the Father. And the, before that happens, the timing has to be right. He's not waiting on God. He's literally sitting there right beside him waiting with him. And he, the things that God has for you, he wants it even more than you do. He wants to bless us. He wants to give us those promises. Amen. <laughs> and um, I, 
I began to, to think about changing my perspective on that. I began to actually put into practice, okay, instead of just sitting here waiting on God, I'm going to start waiting with God. And the, the second I started to do this, I found myself wrapped up in the greatest pursuit of all time, which is the heart of Jesus. And it, it really reminds me of the story of Hagar. You know, when her and Ishmael were sent out, they were sent out into the desert. It's hot. They ran out of water. They ran out of food. And there came to, there came to a point where she went, uh, Hagar propped up Ishmael under a tree to give, give him uh, shade. And she puts a distance between her and Ishmael because she doesn't want to see him die. That's her son. And she starts crying out to God, and she's like, God, like, where are you? you? Ishmael, which literally means God who hears. God, do you even hear? Do you see what's going on? Where are you? And the angel of the Lord comes to her and says, God has heard the boy crying. And he literally opened up her eyes to a well of water. So, it's... It's like we're in the desert, we're in the wilderness, and it's just God is pursuing us, even there. He was literally waiting for Hagar there. He was there the entire time. And his sacrifice and pursuit is the greatest love story I've ever heard. And to know that that's my story, that's your story, it literally changes everything. So we wait with Jesus. We wait with God, just as Jesus waits at the right hand of the Father. We wait with God. Second thing is, don't just sit there. Get to work. Which means, you need to, instead of just sitting there and saying, okay, I'm just, I'm going to wait here until the promise comes. I'm going to wait here until God answers. We need to preoccupy ourselves with fulfilling God's word instead of escaping the problem. Because we all want to escape the problem. And it reminds me, so Paul and Silas are in the prison. I love this story. Because they were in the prison, and they're praying, they're, they're doing ministry, and then the earthquake comes, and the gates fly open. Now, if that were me, I'd be like, come on, Silas, let's go. I'm peacing out. But Paul and Silas were not consumed with their escape. Because their focus was on God's purpose. They knew that there was a reason they needed to stay there. So they weren't just so preoccupied with, man, there's only a way out. There's a way out. The door was literally open, and they stayed. Their eyes were open to what God was doing. Because at that moment that the gates flew open, the guard wakes up and sees that the doors were open. So the prisoners would have escaped. So he's literally about to kill himself. And Paul and Silas are like, wait, wait, we're still here. And in that moment, they led the guard and his entire family to the Lord. So there was purpose. There was purpose in that. Instead of trying to constantly find our way out of places of waiting, we need to start trying to find out what it is that God wants to do while we're in that place. We need to turn our waiting room into a work room. So if you have to wait, get to work. Allow God to work through you while he's working on you. And just trust that he's working on your behalf. 
and just enjoy the season of refinement because it is a season of refinement. <laughs> and be, but by doing that, by allowing yourself to to be effective, to work, to do something while you're waiting, you're preparing yourself for the promise. So I had a conversation with Pastor Travis yesterday, and we just got to talking about Paul and um, and things that I'm waiting for. And so honestly, like one of one of the things that I'm waiting for is a husband. I mean, y'all were all there at one point. And so we were just talking about it, and he said, you know, Paul said that it is better we were all single because you're more effective. Now, it's not totally like the way we do things anymore. And of course, God wants marriage and family for us. But while waiting for that, I can be as effective as I can be. I'm not just going to sit here and wait around for it. No, I've got work to do. I, I mean, I'm in ministry, and I've got people to, maybe God has a person they want to put in my life to help with their situation or vice versa. I'm not just going to sit around and wait for it. There are things that I have to do, things that I won't be able to do once I'm married, things that need to be done. Number three, know that it's a process. So important because sometimes God puts us in a waiting room because he has something to teach us. A doctor doesn't just become a doctor overnight. If he does, don't go to him. It takes years of training, years and years of training, before they can even prescribe you medicine, before they can even um, perform surgery on you. It takes years. It's a process. And God sometimes can't take you from A to B as fast as you want him to because he has something to teach you before you get there. So that you're ready when the promise comes. And again, sometimes there's someone he needs to cross your path with so that you can minister to them, help them in a, in a situation, maybe even lead them to the Lord. Before you can move on, maybe that's what needs to happen. Or sometimes you're just headed in the wrong direction. And in order to get you to his destination, he needs to put you in a waiting room so he can reroute you. So he, he needs to put you in that place because you're headed here. He's like, wait, that's not where I want you to go. So I'm going to put you in this waiting room so I can reroute you, so I can turn you around and move you in a direction that I want you to go in. Often, God, often the detours in your life are God's destinations. Number four, get glad about it. And... This is a hard one. To just be glad in, in the situations when the storms of life come. To just be glad and rejoice. It's literally the hardest thing to do. So, of course, I was reading about Paul because he's so wise, so why not? And... When he was in, when he was under house arrest in Rome, he wrote a letter to the church, and I'm going to read a portion of that letter. But while I'm reading that, I'm going to say something, and I want you to just think about that as I'm reading it. While some see Paul as a hostage, Paul sees himself as a vessel. He sees an opportunity for a purpose. 
So if you want to read along, I'm going to go in Philippians 1, 12 through 20. Paul is now under house arrest, and this is the letter that he wrote. He said, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Purpose. There's a purpose. Verse 13. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. Purpose. He's not a hostage. Paul was more free than any of those people who weren't in prison. He was there for a, a divine appointment. He was there for a purpose. And, I mean, he's in chains, and he's sitting here saying, I'm here to defend the gospel. That's why I'm here. I'm here to do the work of the Lord. Verse 17. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in change. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or truth, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice to I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. When you understand that God is positioning you, you don't fear what people will do to you. I'm not, I'm not concerned about the motives of people because God's intention is always more powerful than human motives. When Paul said, because of this I rejoice, I'm just like, you're in chains and you're in prison for preaching about Jesus. And you're just sitting in here praising the Lord. And it's like, it's easy to just say, yeah, I'm going to rejoice, but like, I mean, if you were in prison, would you, I mean, what would you be doing? You know? And it's just, it's so good that, you know, he says, because of this I rejoice, what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. It will happen. It had to happen. So be glad that it happened. I was thinking about the, um, the story of Lazarus when, you know, Lazarus is actually a friend of Jesus. So, you know, the, the news is brought to Jesus like, hey, uh, Lazarus is really sick. If you can come and heal him, that'd be great. But Jesus, like, he waited. He literally waited, I think it was two days before he actually went to see him. And on the second day, he told his disciples, he said, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe. And when I, when I first read this scripture, ever, 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 when I saw that for your sake and I'm glad, I was like, if my friend was dead, 
said, I would not be glad. I was like, Jesus, what you doing? And, but the glory, the purpose, the revelation in this is in the rest of the verse. I'm glad for your sake that I was not there so that you may believe there's a purpose. In the pain, there's a purpose and there's a level of his glory that we could not have seen had he shown up and done what we thought he should have done. We think that, friend said, go and heal him. We think that he should have allowed us to keep that job. We think that we should be married by now. We think that we should be going through a divorce. Or why is my marriage like this? Why is my friendship going to the dirt? Why am I not having the finances? Why have you not shown up by now? We think that he should be doing what we think he should be doing. But he he sees what we cannot see. He His ways are higher. And Jesus knew that there wasn't the end for us. He knew. He knew that it, it, that's not how the story ends. Paul is in chains, yet he's out rejoicing because he knows the result. So, yeah, the clouds are rolling in. Yes, I know that this is what it looks like. We need to declare in the face of the devil that though everything seems chaotic and it looks impossible, I'm not nervous, I'm not anxious, I'm not scared because I know how it's gonna end. I know what the end result is. It's victory and God, God's up to something. It's so hard, waiting is hard. Being in that waiting room, feeling the heartbreak, the rejection, it's hard. Yet will I praise you, Lord. It's just declaring in the face of the devil that you're not afraid because he gets fearful when you're excited, even though all this is happening. What your eyes have not seen, what your ears have not heard. When you get excited about that, it's like, oh, I don't have control over them anymore. Like, what am I going to do? And God, God's going to get the glory out of everything. So, something that I've been doing was, the more I've gone through, the greater the glory. The more I've gone through, the greater the glory. Because it's true. You, we need to just get glad about it. And I'm not I'm not glad about the pain. I don't I don't like feeling hurt. I didn't like the way that that made me feel. But you don't have to like what it felt like to appreciate the result, to appreciate what um, the, the fruit that it produces. And I know like sometimes there's always a why. We're always asking why. Why this? Why that? Why? 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 So consumed with why. But you don't have to understand the reason to praise him. You don't have to understand the reason why. Just praise God for the result. I mean, I don't understand why they rejected me, but I'm glad they did. Show me that God was enough and I don't need them. I don't know why I went through what I went through at my old job, but I'm glad it happened because now I'm on staff here at church and my photography business is growing so rapidly, I'm having to turn people down. I don't know why God closes certain doors, but I'm glad he did so I'm not living in the wrong room for the rest of my life. You don't have to understand why to give God the praise. You don't have to understand. And that's so hard to do because we do. We just 
we want to know why. Because it doesn't make sense to us. And God, I think it would have really worked out this way. And let me just say, I'm so thankful that God is not moved by my my doubt or my fear or my tendency to think that my plans will work a lot better than his. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. To be glad and rejoice, even when things don't make sense, takes serious faith. Because it's hard. And I just, I felt this question in my heart. Can you praise God for the result of a situation that is not yet resolved? You don't see the answer. In fact, it looks complete opposite of what God said you would do. But can you praise him? praising through that. Can you just say, you know what? I know what you said. I know what you said. I know it doesn't look like that, but I know what you said. And I know you're not a God who lies. I know that you're faithful. I know that you're a promise keeper. And I know that you can make a way. So I don't know what kind of waiting room you're in or how long you've been in there, but the good news is that his promises will come to pass. He is a promise keeper and he won't fail us, but timing is everything. I mean, I think that Jesus is the greatest example of timing. I can't imagine the anticipation of knowing that the cross is near, but yet still waiting for that moment, and then dying in the process. The waiting room will be one of your hardest seasons being held in a refining fire, the most crucial season in becoming who Jesus has you to be. So how will you wait? Will you wait well? We wait with God because he is able to do what he has promised. And he never lets our hopes and dreams die without fulfilling them or showing us one that's better. Showing us one that's better than our own. One that's better than we could have imagined. Jesus understands the waiting. He knows the harvest is coming. And again, just him waiting on that cross, waiting for God to come through, waiting for God to, to answer, dying in the process. But Sunday came. The promise was And while, while preparing this, um, Jesus just reminded me that even his prolonging is a kindness. I'm the one who, I'm, I'm a little impatient, and, you know, God will tell me something. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Let's get, get, get it rolling. And he's just like, wait. Like, just wait. Because why would he tell us something and then do it right then and there? What's the point of faith? What's the point in trusting him? What's the point in waiting with him if he's just going to do it, do it, do it? Especially on our command. Second Peter 3. With the Lord, one day is a thousand years. And he is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but his patience towards us is not wishing that any would perish. So today, I hope you sit in the waiting room with a renewed spirit of hope and joy that we serve a God that has it all figured out and will bring it to fruition in his perfect timing. I'm not going to wait to see how the certain situation comes out before I thank him for it, before I thank him. You have to prepare for it. 
I mean, just like a woman who's carrying a baby for nine months, she's not going to sit and let the house tend to itself. The house is not going to get the nursery ready. It's not going to go buy everything that you need to have. She's not going to just sit there and let it do itself. She's working. She's preparing. She's building a nursery. She's, she's getting food and clothes and um, all the necessary. I don't have a child, so I don't know everything, but I know that you need a lot. Um, I know that you need diapers. So she's, she's preparing for that so that she can be ready for that promise. So the four things that we can do while in the waiting room, we can wait with God. We can get to work, turn our waiting room into a work room, know that it's a process, but enjoy it because something that, something that I've learned and grown into during the season of waiting is I've learned so many things about my own self during this time. I've learned how much Jesus really does love me. I've learned what it's like to trust on him, to, to really, really, really trust on him. I've learned how to grow, how to handle certain situations. And it just, it's, it's those moments of sitting at his feet and laying all your burdens, laying all your desires. Because he knows, he knows the desires of our heart, but he wants to hear them anyway. And it's just, it's using this time to make him number one. Because he's not going to bless you with something that goes above him. He's not going to bless you with something that you're not ready for. He's preparing you. So, again, I don't know what it is that you're waiting for. There's so many things, and we're always going to be in a constant season of waiting. But prepare for it, because you're not in there just because. It might be a route change. You might be in there because he's directing you somewhere else. You might be in there because he's teaching something. Or you need to meet someone. You need to minister to someone this you need to do that there's always a purpose he doesn't put you in a in the waiting room because it's like i got all these people to take her uh, uh, put her here because i just i'll deal with her later or i'll deal with him later no <laughs> there is a purpose and you might not see it i don't see it i don't understand why i don't understand a lot of things but again the devil wants you to be in confusion he wants you to say hey Remember what God told you? It hasn't happened yet. Time's ticking. I mean, it's getting a little late. And uh, he wants you to think those things. He wants you to deter you, confuse you. He wants you to, to, to think that God is a liar, that he's forgotten about you. But that's not the case. That's not the case at all. Storms are rolling in. I know what it looks like. I'm not scared. I'm not anxious. I'm not nervous because I know the result. I know how this ends. And it ends in victory. So wait with God. Get to work. Enjoy the process and get God about it. We hope that you found this message to be both a blessing as well as challenging. If you would like more information or to leave a comment or prayer request, 
please visit our website at firstassembly.place. Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly, a place to meet with God.